everything really just clicked for me in 2020. I took Daniel Vassalo's Twitter course, and it was just kind of like a light bulb went off, and just suddenly I had, you know, plus 8,000 followers, and just started compounding from there very quickly. Hello, and welcome back to Indie Bites, a podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, James McKinman. Today, I'm joined by Randall Canner-Franson. Randall is a senior software engineer who's written three books, including one published by O'Reilly and a self-published one, which has made over $70,000. She's also created the course called Hack the Tech Interview, which made 20k in the first 24 hours and 50k in the first month. All of this has been through Randall's efforts to share her learnings from almost a decade being a software engineer and growing her Twitter audience to over 50,000 followers. She's also dabbled in a few SaaS products, notably launching and growing co-tutor, which she sold after the birth of her first child. And if you enjoyed this chat with Randall, there is an extended version available for $60 a year at IndieBytes.com membership. But before we get into this chat, I'd like to thank my podcast sponsor, Email Octopus. Email Octopus on an email platform focused on affordability with a generous fee plan and ease of use without some of those bloated features that you see so many of these email apps have. So you can focus on what's important, like shipping and growing your audience, which you know, if you're a regular listener, is essential for growth in the early days. So to get started with an email platform that gets out of the way, where you can contact up to 2,500 people for free, head to emailoptimus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this episode with Randall Canner-Franson. Randall, welcome to Indie Bites. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So Randall, let's start at the beginning, your background. I want to know what was Randall like when you were young? Did you have ambitions to be a software engineer? Yeah, well, I wanted to be a doctor, so that didn't work out. I didn't like germs and I didn't like blood. And that was going to be a real problem in the profession. I started college at 15. I was homeschooled my whole life. I went to a community college starting at 15, which was really hard when everyone around you is 18, 21, going out, and you are the awkward 16-year-old who's not allowed to do anything or go anywhere or get in and into anything. So it was really tough. And I actually wanted to be a CS major. I went to a counselor and I said, what can I do to be a computer science, you know, get the degree? And basically, I was encouraged not to do it, said that there's no women doing it. It was going to be a really tough career. I was going to be able to get a job. I wasn't going to be able, I wouldn't be welcomed into the program. It was impacted for years. And it just completely discouraged me where I just completely dropped it, which in hindsight, I wish I would have endured. But at the time, it felt terrible. Wow. That is awful. Do you think it's still the same now? or? I think it's a lot better now. I mean, back then, even in you know 2014, 2015, when I was trying to get a job, basically it said no boot camps, don't even apply here if you have a boot camp, you know, if you don't have a CS degree. And, you know, you would I would go to interviews and there'd be not a single woman in sight. How did you navigate that when you were younger? It was tough. Honestly, a lot of crying. I never cried at work. That was a pride point for me. Never cried mm. in the office. I would hold it in until I got home and then call my mom crying instead. So it was really rough and it was not... In not inclusive, not welcoming, not inviting, but I stuck with it and it was worth it. Look at me now. At least I'm somewhere. So what was sort of your career journey? Because we're going to talk about your books and your course and how you got into indie hacking and side projects, but that only really started in 2019. So what was your sort of career yeah. journey before then? Got my first job in 2015, two weeks after a coding boot camp. I was so relieved because I had no money at that point whatsoever. <laughs> and I was back living on my parents' couch. 
<laughs> and extremely panicked about what I was going to do. And I moved back from San Francisco after the boot camp to my parents' couch. And then two weeks later, in 10 days, I had like two offers. And then worked for just an amazing little startup that just taught me so much. And really, they were really hard on me, really hard on me, but it was worth it because I got a lot of grit working there. And I became a senior engineer a year and a half later. So your sort of entry, Randall, into side projects and wait, had you not done any side projects before your first book that you did? Were you not sort of dabbling? Because I think like a lot of software engineers uh, tend to do build projects and random things. So really nothing that ever made money. And I think that year I just built like a few, not even side projects. I'd call them side hobbies at that point. They made, you know, zero revenue. They were just for fun. They were for interviewing and just kind of all in smart contracts and Ethereum and in Truffle JS. It was, you know, nothing, little side repos, but it helped me get a job. It helped me get the books with O'Reilly. So it really kind of led me to that journey in a way. Let's talk about your books, your first book. Uh, you went through a publisher. Why did you go through a publisher for this? Uh, isn't the trendy thing to self-publish? Yeah, the trendy thing is, and you also get to keep a lot more of the money. But I have to say the credibility with an O'Reilly book, lifelong dream. I had O'Reilly books for years. I was a teenager holding an O'Reilly book in my hand thinking it was just, you know, the end all be all of engineering books. And it was incredible. And I actually had two publishing offers in the same two month span before I chose the O'Reilly book. And to me, it was just like the end all be all of books. Like I thought, okay, I've made it if I can do that. And it just, you know, worked out amazing. They were so kind to me with O'Reilly. I actually joined a project. I ended up writing about half the book, anything focused on, you know, the front end. And I wrote a lot about smart contracts in there. It was so worth it. But yes, self-publishing, you make, keep a lot more of the money. You make a lot more, you keep a lot more. And who, had you started to build your audience here? Did, did, did you make much money from this book or was it something that you set out that you wanted to do and it wasn't so much about the money you were making but it was that credibility that you built for having a book published yeah i made next to nothing on the book and it was more of just it would feel i mean i have that book framed in my house it felt like an honor i had no audience at the time i think i had 300 twitter followers and then a few you know weeks during the book and writing the book i got up to maybe 1200 and that was that took me into 2020 basically and 2020, I guess, is where things really started to pick up for you in terms of your audience building and the products that you launched. Was this about the time that you started putting effort into building your Twitter? You're now at 56,000 Twitter followers. That's no mean feat to get there. Was this around that time? Yes. Everything really just clicked for me in 2020. I you know, took Daniel Vasallo's Twitter course. And it was just kind of like a light bulb went off and just suddenly I had, you know, plus 8,000 followers and just started compounding from there very quickly. And what was the niche you chose to build your audience in? So I taught myself how to code before I ended, attended a coding boot camp. So I spent about almost a year teaching myself before I went to it. That's how bad my imposter syndrome was. So I didn't even feel I could go to a boot camp before I taught myself for a year. It was probably a mistake. Like that was time I could have spent doing something else. But I had all this knowledge that because of that, because of all the, you know, hard work and things I had to learn on my own, I had just an unbelievable yeah. wealth of knowledge and stored stored up information that people just it really resonated with people. And I was able to just kind of share it in one big 2020 explosion. And then I just took off. Some of my tweets got 20,000 likes. 
just from information that I had stored up for, you know, seven years of being an engineer before that. So you started building your audience by sharing some of your engineering knowledge, but you then decided to write another book, having already done this O'Reilly one. You had the option here, as you built your audience, Randall, to launch a course, which we will talk about later, but you decided to write another book. Why another book? Why not one of these other mediums that do seem to be a bit more lucrative? I think I just had so much information to share. And I feel like I had a, a cheat code in a way because my mom, uh, she has a marketing and branding company. She's helped write or written her own books. She was the founder of homeschool.com uh, way back when eventually it sold. And she, you know, she wrote one of like the first, I think the very first homeschooling book on the market. And she helped me so much in terms of learning how to have a resume that was pulled together and how to market yeah. yourself online. And Back then, that was really helpful, especially as a woman in engineering, because I needed that edge. I didn't have the CS degree. I didn't have the you know years of background that other people interviewing for the same jobs did. So I needed to figure out ways to stand out. Did you make much money from that book, The Standout? I think about $70,000. Was that mostly through Twitter? Yeah, mostly through Twitter. I had built an email list at the same time. I, I To this day, I still have not put my book on Amazon. It's in process right now. It should be up soon. But it just completely on road and that was it how big your email list now uh, my email list i think is about seven thousand. i've i've been pruning it down quite a bit because when you don't email people for eight months after mm-hmm. having a baby they tend to want to unsubscribe <laughs> that's mean <laughs> yeah one person said that i wasn't sending them enough information anymore and i was like well i mean i just had an emergency c-section and almost died so i'm sorry f- for you but <laughs> 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 uh, that's a big fuck you I like- or, you know in the next time i'm bleeding out i'll be sure to email you about it <laughs> oh that's so good <laughs> um, let's talk about your course hat the tech interview randall this was incredible at this point you'd like build your audience you'd learn your books you did 20k in the first 48 hours and 50k in the first month those are insane numbers talk me through making that course and launching it yeah it was kind of a challenge for me because interviewing was not something I started out in my career as like a strong suit and I just kind of saw the market need where people felt lost like I did in my early career and they didn't know how to interview. They didn't know how to kind of narrow down companies. They were just kind of blindly applying to things on LinkedIn and doing one click apply. And I really felt like I could help people similar to the book. I wanted to just be able to like share that knowledge. And in the first cohort, I think every single person Except I think one person who wanted a little bit more time, they all got new jobs. And it was anywhere from 50 to 100% increases in raises. That's crazy. Do you still make sales through that course at the moment? Or is it one of those things where you have that initial buzz of the launch and it sort of tails out completely? In the little, last few months, definitely been hard because I have not been launching it. But when I do a launch, I usually can make like $25,000. So that's nice. What do you do with the money? Did you Are you a splurger or did that just help with baby costs? We actually, the course helped contribute to buying our home. So now we own. Amazing. Yeah. That's we so have cool. That must be such a cool feeling that like be beyond just from like building your audience and making this course can then help you buy your home just as a side project. That is so cool, Randall. What advice would you give to young folks that considering going into tech, considering side projects, maybe they're entrepreneurial. Would you advise them to 
go and build side projects, go into tech and get a software engineering job to build an audience at the same time? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm biased because for me, working at jobs for so long, it taught me so much. Mm. It really helped me, you know, know to like anything from like, you know, talking to users, to just discipline to, you know, signing into work every day by nine. So I'm a little biased towards that, but you know, everything works differently for different people. And going back, maybe I would have just started trying to build projects right away and just taught myself yeah. and saved a lot of money on a boot camp and, I do have to say there's a lot of people who go into tech and they get a really cushy, high-paying job, and that's it. They, they no longer build side projects. They either stop or they lose the ambition to do it. So that's hard. For me, I've been – I don't know if it's smart or dumb, but I'm still working for you know, a smaller company that I'm not making enough money that I could sit comfortably. Why is that? Like, Why, why wouldn't you go and work for a bigger company if you could? Is it because you like that? desire to um to keep pushing like why is that i like to ship i like to actually get stuff done in my you know job and feel like i have an impact so for me i love little startups i love knowing everybody you work with that's always been you know it's like being a little indie hacker inside a company i want to briefly touch upon SaaS projects you're a software engineer but all of the side projects we've spoken about randall are either books or courses i i'm guessing you have started SaaS projects a lot over the years Yep. A lot of failed ones. Haven't been able to get traction. So that's been brutal. I've had a Twitter app. I should have stuck with it. I didn't. And then, you know, last year I did sell cold tutor, but I just had a lot of failures. Why is that? Like, I feel like audiences lend to info products so well because people are following you for a specific thing and you can then launch your product in that niche or to that audience. Whereas building a SaaS or a company is a whole different kettle of fish because you've actually got to have a product that solves a person's need. I don't think I've cracked the code yet. You know, info products are easier. Uh, do you have plans to launch any more info products? Because you, you've obviously had a baby, so a lot of your time has been taken up by... Yeah, uh, a new that, side project. Uh, your, your spares, <laughs> you're, you, you're definitely your new side project. But you <laughs> put a tweet out the other day saying 2024 no new side projects i'm just gonna carry on my job also you bought a new domain did you actually buy a new domain or is this for the likes randall i did i know i wish it was for the likes that would have been i should have just (laughs) i thought okay i'm gonna make it i'm not gonna buy a new domain and then eight days into the year new domain just brutal but i do yeah i think having a baby has made me be even more ruthless about my time when i have Mm -hmm. three to four hours at night sometimes and that's it for an entire day and i have to be just hyper focused on it yeah the project that you sold was that did that get to like a certain decent level of mrr before you yeah. sold it or was it yeah uh, i had about yeah. 35 paying customers so just really exciting people had bought like the yearly plans i unfortunately you know went into labor early i had planned to hire someone but it was doing really well and i'm really happy i sold it to a company that actually has other they have kind of a focus already on education and the tutoring space and engineering space. And it wasn't a life-changing sum by any means, <laughs> but they were excited about it. So it made me excited that all the customers would be in good hands. That's crazy. So you almost cracked the code, but then life circumstances put that on pause for a minute so you can... Yeah. Oh, wow. And I, I at the time I thought, I'm just going to you know, focus on my baby, no more side projects, and then got the side project bug again. So here I will be in 2024. <laughs> you can't not. Well, uh, Randall, you've been a fantastic guest. You know, I end on three recommendations. 
What have you got for me? A book, a podcast, an indie hacker? Yeah, I'm so excited. Every time I listen to the podcast, I swear, I was telling you this earlier, I think to myself, what would I say one day if I was ever honored enough to be on the podcast? Every time. Podcast. I can't say yours because that would be too easy, but I do listen to it every day as software social. I am a huge fan of software social. It's like listening to two friends chat about their business. And then The Dip by Seth Godin. Yeah. I think indie hackers, yes, I think we all struggle with this. We drop things too early and we don't focus down. You know, we faff about. And then Kyle Golly is my indie hacker. Randall, fantastic recommendations. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bytes. A reminder, you can get the full conversation on the Indie Bytes membership by hitting the link in the show notes. And a thank you again to my sponsor, Ian Lutzbus, for making the show happen. That's all from me. See you next week.